Trick or treat. Welcome to the Whovian Review. I happen to be Michael. And I'm Shelby, and I'm a little confused that Michael changed up his intro for the first time ever. <laughs> Oof. And last, but I hope not least, I am Colin. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight, we are going to dive into the brand new episode. The Halloween Apocalypse, which I gotta say, right off the bat, I love the title. Halloween, great content out of that. Apocalypse, seen some great content there too. Indeed, and, and you know what? It's not even the only title. Doctor Who Flux. We have a whole. We have a title for you know, the season. season. Yeah, that's right. Six I'm episode. Tra- what I'm story. trying to figure out is why we haven't had a Halloween special before. I mean, Doctor Who is like classic horror times ten sometimes. Yeah. Why Honestly, in the world? I just thought maybe the British didn't like get as into Halloween. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the American idiot in me was thinking the same thing until we saw that nice trick-or-treat sequence that was very, you know, Americanized oh, to my oh, palate. Oh, okay, hang on, hang on. I, I, I want to I wanna say it wasn't totally an American idiot moment because my mom actually lived in England for a number of years. Um, I was just when she, when she was young, and then, like, and, and they actually really didn't, you know, celebrate Halloween. They've obviously picked it up based on, as you said, <laughs> the kids in those costumes. Yeah, maybe Halloween's more popular these days. It makes sense. I mean, cosplaying on on a day where you can run around and grab candy from strangers, uh, that could also be scary in itself. <laughs> Halloween's the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I dig it. It's my favorite holiday. Yeah, and, and spooky elements fit right at home in, in the Doctor Who universe. Although the witches on broomsticks thing was a little bit hokey. It was. I appreciate the nod, and I, I think you're going to this epic beginning where they definitely put put out the CGI, the production value. I thought have, it was a great beginning. Yeah, we have uh, the, the Doctor and Yaz hanging upside down, you know, here on pretty much a situation where they could never get out of, and they end up getting out of it. This this whole gravity structure that they're hanging onto breaks apart and more or less becomes two broomstick-like objects in a, in a nod I, to Halloween at the beginning. What I really like about the opening, though, is that there is actually a connection to the story. A lot of times when they're doing that kind of an opening in the past, they the opening would have nothing to do with what was going to come later because they just go off and somewhere else. But in this case it actually leads into what comes next. And I really appreciated that. That was that was kind of nice. What I really appreciated about the opening was the dialogue between Yaz and the Doctor when they were sitting there hanging upside down and also when they were both, you know, yelling at, at their enemy. But 
it just it was it was very you know classic the doctor going off saying things way too quickly and you know the companion bouncing him off and you really just kind of very quickly saw how much their relationship had developed since the last time we saw them. Very chummy, very very much like a, a doctor and Amy or a doctor and, and Clara kind of thing. Very much like more like the doctor and a companion than I think we've really seen out of the, this era. Well, and that's good in a sense because it's we've great. been we've been we've been having too many companions to really focus in on one. Now we have Yaz, which I I figured Yaz would be a great single companion. Yeah, I mean, like... Despite I've, not having had much to do in the, her first full season. And, um, matter of fact, none of the companions really had much to do other than just kind of sit there and comment on what was going on. Right. I, I love Ryan. Graham is one of my hands-down, you know, all-time favorites. But to be honest, there was always too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm really looking forward to Yaz and the Doctor. I like the opening connection and bond that they have. But just in this episode, by how many new characters and angles that they bring up here, it makes me still feel like there might be too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, also because, you know, that, that one dude might be kind of just like hanging out with them now. <laughs> And honestly, I thought he was a you know a, a very refreshing character. I thought he added a, a lot of good humor and kind of insight. I, I thought he played his role very well. Yeah, I thought it. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. They did a really great play when the the dog like creature. Oh yeah. Went ahead and said, "No, you're completely insignificant. You're a nobody, basically." But I'm rescuing you anyway. <laughs> the total opposite of the doctor. I know, like uh, the the dog. Uh, comes in and seems to be the villain and the enemy of of the story initially, but turns out um, Dog is man's best friend. (laughs) But he didn't like being called a dog. (laughs) I I do think that was a little hokey, but then again, what Doctor's story isn't a little hokey. But that was kind of predictable for me. I kind of saw that coming as soon as that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but, you know, in the same way, you know, while the opening was epic, that's my kind of criticism of it. I, th- I thought it was a little hokey, a little bit predictable and on the nose, you know, kind of over over the top and a, a little extra. Plus, I, I also thought that, you know, in, in the music perspective, I thought the music was a little too loud for the dialogue. That's what I was noticing. Huh, going back to point. the uh, Murray Gold-styled music, um, I think... But what what were your th- initial thoughts of Dan when you when you both saw him? I thought he was charismatic. Um, I liked that he uh, you know drew a crowd and he seemed like he had a passion and a curiosity. He seems like a, a classic companion from all the elements that a doctor would look for for somebody to take along for the ride into the future, which really makes me think he's coming into the fold. I don't think he was just a random human kidnapped by our new uh, dog Axeman person. So you think he might have more story behind him, per se? I do, but even more so, he definitely has plenty of story to come. Yeah, I, I, I think actually he was just a random guy that just happened to be like the most expedient dog person got there first type of thing. And But I also think that, yeah, he's good at like be a companion yeah i mean they're all random guys unless you look at it from the perspective of the universe and time you know donna noble is a is a random retail worker out there but she's the most significant person in the universe you know it's right yeah so i guess i was saying like the most like the important stuff about him is yet to come (laughs) 
as far as we know. And yeah, or already but, happened in a past where Claire might have been involved or who, who knows. Well, Claire got, got, you know, attacked by the Weeping Angels. So obviously she got sent back in the past. The Doctor goes back to the past, probably meets her again and brings her back to the present. Otherwise, she would have died by the time she reached her own timeline again. Well, that was... That would not make sense because she already knows about the Doctor when she meets her before she's sent to the past. So now she's going back to the past again. My mm, question... That's a good point. There, there's, Claire's a mystery, and I think that's one of the good things about this episode is that it, it drives home a, a brand new mystery about a character we don't know anything about. But Claire seems so knowledgeable about what's coming, what's what's happened, and all that good stuff. Yeah, Total River Song vibes. Actually, you know, you know what really bugs me about Claire is her name. Claire? What's because her Claire name is, sounds so much like Clara, and here we have another, you uh-huh. know, brunette, short woman who comes in and knows more about the Doctor than she should, or less than she should, or whatever, and then, like, is intrinsically involved in the Doctor's past and is a total mystery, and the Doctor's like, I have no idea who you are. I like, thought this was more of a homage to maybe Outlander, because if the author of Out, uh, the Outland, or Outlander, which has a Jamie as, like, one of the main characters... She was really big into Doctor Who, and she used uh, James Frazier as the, the name of her main character, which happens to be Jamie, Jamie's first name, and Frazier is the name of the actor who played Jamie McCrimmon back in the second Doctor era. So I was wondering if Claire was just a homage to the Outlander series. Maybe, uh, maybe maybe it's my American idiot hat again, but you know, just swooped right over my head. I didn't make any Claire Clara connection whatsoever. Oh, I didn't until you. Yeah, she's up. completely like, different from Clara. Yeah, and, I know. But, just but like the maybe, name similarity. But hey, maybe we've stumbled onto a big mystery. Maybe maybe this Claire is a Clara of the future. Well, I mean, it would be a little far fetched. Far fetched. What do you mean, how? Because she's scattered across the Doctor's timeline. Yeah, but. That would oh, she's a TARDIS with me. Yeah, I mean, right. you know. Well, yeah, uh, why not? Yeah. I that would be a tough one. <clears throat> I don't well, know because she can't age. Right, but also she wouldn't just change. She's not going to regenerate into someone else. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's actually a different character. It just bugs me that they chose such a similar name. I, I don't mind. I mean, Claire is kind of a, a more common name now due to all the, a lot of literature uses Claire now. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, she's she's the enigma. She's the one yeah. that we don't know anything about. Or and yeah, she's, she's the most interesting mystery. Actually, I disagree. I want to know more about the guy who was floating in the space station. He had kind of like a red dwarf final space vibe going on there, where he was just like, "Hey, yeah, I'm at the post. I'm watching." Oh, this, the dude dragged like, with yeah, dreads observing. But things. like, screw all you guys, and the, like, you know. Yeah, there were so many characters. And, in but then, like, he got in the escape pod and presumably got away. So he's probably going to show up later in the season and be important in some way but all in all yeah there was so much that happened in this and it kind of makes me feel like i mean well wait a minute maybe spread out some of the character intros hold up a sec though he's watching this stuff come across at the same the flux come across at the same time the doctor's seeing it so it makes sense that he's probably on post somewhere near earth which is why he's now in the story. Right. So he may already be in the same location. 
Yeah, I, 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 I meant more like he's going to like run into the doctor, and that's going to be... Well, that would make sense. He is supposed... I mean, he was an announced character, as Dan was. Um, Dan, obviously, was announced as the new person that would be on board the TARDIS, but to what extent, I we don't know. <laughs> well, I mean... Even, more, more companion. Even if it's for this one... The entirety of this story, then that's a whole season. Yeah. And, uh... I can see that that they seem to have fun together, Dan and the Doctor. And so is, it, like, is, it, is Dan a companion now? Does it just take a step inside and he, you are He's supposed to be, yes, as far as we know. That's what was announced, was that he was going to become the next the next quote-unquote companion. Let's, uh, let's look at the Centaurans for a quick second here. Are they trying to fight the Flux? Is that what that was? Like, am I missing something? I mean, they try to fight everyone, so it kind of tracks, but, you know, I'm not really sure. It it, it's it not, does kind of tracks. Ha. Huh. <laughs> it sounded like Dan Starkey was the one that was on the intercom talking to the one that we saw in real life, but I don't... Dan I don't Starkey think, being... Dan Starkey being Strax and a couple other Suntarns from the past. I don't know for sure, but that would be awesome because he, it would make sense. Um, but clones, yeah. in this case, um, we don't know who the Centaurans are going after in the, in this story. I feel like episode. the Centaurans didn't need to be in this episode. That it might make more sense if they just showed up next episode or the episode when they become re- relevant. You're trying to do a little too much. I think it's another, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, just there's a lot going on in this episode, to be honest. We have... This enigma of Claire. We have weeping angels. We have centaurans. We have dog people. We have the mysterious day of the dead people that are somehow connected to the flux that have, you know, maybe always been in battle with the doctor. Yeah, and I I kind of feel like, you know, for the first part of a six-part story, like, you'd think that you could spread out some of this a little bit better. You could, but it seems like... Chris is just like throwing everything at you at once. It. I will admit that I am very intrigued as to where it's all going to go because obviously everything is connected. I like the Flux as a villain. I think Flux is a phenomenal villain so far. I'm excited about it. Here we've got, uh, you know, destructive force that you know seems to have no, you know specific entry point to it like a fog coming across the universe ripping everything apart you know at the particulate level and then it like knows the doctor <laughs> yeah know? are we is the flux the day of the dead ish i'm not people? sure I, 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 there's definitely think, a I connection can, there there is a connection is it the anthropomorphic men? consciousness of of it all are That's they what i was one? thinking but maybe maybe they just control it what do you think I mean, it could be that they control it, or but it, it seems it controls awful. them. I was thinking that they sort of were it. If they are it, that would be interesting. But I'm not quite. I mean, we just don't have enough answers. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's the big thing of this episode. You know, there's so much left to be answered for. Well, we have five more episodes to answer for, and to be fair, and and. Every individual part was intriguing, so it wasn't like it was a complete loss. It was, but it was just it was very scattered. Like I feel like, the, yeah, it could have just could have been. Well, isn't that how the universe is? Just kind of scattered. Yeah, I'm, but not a lot of uh, well constructed <laughs> plot lines. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Well, they may be. We just don't. It's kind of, in my opinion, it's almost impossible to judge an entire plot line without actually seeing the entire plot line. You're right, and that's why the BBC should have released it all at once in the new wave of binge-watching capacity like you might see in Netflix. Would have been a better medium, I think, to absorb the story in several chunks rather than than six when you're throwing in so many different elements. And then you wouldn't need to do as, you know, big cliffhanger after every episode. Although I did, you know, it was a good cliffhanger for this one. It's not going to get you all that same, you know, BBC revenue, though. Right. You know, ad revenue. It's not like the Dragonfire cliffhanger where it's literally a cliffhanger. Yeah. You love bringing that up. (laughs) (laughs) That was, uh, well, just comparing. I mean, Uh, well, we pretty much had, we had an acid hanger, you know, at the very beginning. You know, before we even got anywhere. I will say Chris seems to have stepped up a little bit though with this with the narration the the wording the dialogue is definitely improved yeah yeah it's not the doctor explaining everything or mansplaining everything at nauseum it's more just just things are happening and i appreciate the epicness that that they definitely have i just hope it's not too epic because how are you going to get less or how are well, you gonna I think the one thing that bigger. Chris made sure of is that the doctor couldn't mansplain while under his reign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy. Well, to a degree, but she I mean, I feel like in the first two seasons there was a lot of that. Which yeah, was ironic. explaining with condescension. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of ironic in, in a sense. Uh not necessarily not just condescension. Not just that way, but I think also just over explanations. Mm. You don't. It, it's not necessary to go. Oh, by the way, in case you just missed the episode, this is what we're just doing, or this is what just happened. I think that was done a little bit more so. Oh my God! Before. Is our entire podcast just mansplaining Doctor Who to people? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be an interesting podcast. <clears throat> no. Any rate. <laughs> Um, was was it? Were there any characters that were leaving out? Because there's there's so much going on. Oh right, you know there was this uh, not a very prominent character, but but Diane or whatever the the woman that oh, um, yeah. Dan was going to go out with. I thought it was kind of nice that she was an amputee and nobody mentioned it in the episode. It was like not like she got the part because it was relevant. Like oh, I didn't even you know, notice plot to be or honest. anything. It was just like yeah, she was. It was just going through yeah i do i do appreciate that they it wasn't an in-your-face kind of moment and of course chibnall's been known for in-your-face politicizing things right and this was a very subtle uh that's exactly how you should play it 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 was perfect it was beautiful i love it yeah and uh, i think somebody might be listening to the uh, criticisms which is not a bad thing it's a very good thing i I think there might be somebody (laughs) listening to this podcast uh, for the first time, we didn't realize that she was an amputee. I, I didn't. <laughs> I did, but it was just, like Shelby said, it was a, such a non-issue. I didn't really think that it really needed to be explained. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed it because her one sleeve of her sweater was rolled up. Uh, yeah. The other. I mean, it was kind of obvious in the in the beginning, but it's just like, okay, yeah. she's just another character who's doing yeah. her own thing. Which is great. Um... um yeah, and, and also the sister of the 
the entity. We don't even have a name for him yet. Is it the sister? I, was, I thought yeah, it was she said sister. I mean, yeah, I felt like that was another one that maybe they could have put that part of it in the next episode because there's no reason that like he couldn't. Well, maybe there is, but it doesn't seem like there's any reason why he couldn't be like doing the fog thing or whatever he's doing without her there this episode and then maybe next episode or the following one. You yeah, know, bring her in. And, yeah, because that was just like, it was like they had a story with her and her husband and then they, you know, seemed to be building something and then it was just like, haha, never mind. <laughs> just, yeah. That, that part was weird. But then the sister, uh, the alien sister, takes on um, Diane. Or is it Diana? I can't. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it was Diana. Um, but she, she takes her and is like, I'm going to have fun with you. And so... Yeah. <laughs> a little kinky here, maybe. Um, I just... I, I don't think so. I think it was more like I'm going to torture you in some unspeakable way. Possibly. But, I mean, why her? Why is she picking on her, per se? She's nearby. I don't know. It just seems like there's there's more to this than yeah. quite meets the eye. It seems like there's more to everything in this, and you one know, would, one would hope that we have more to everything. Yeah, I mean, my prediction is that this is going to be the episode that you want to rewatch of the season because there's there is a lot of different elements, and I think it will will connect as time goes on. But I could see, you know, if you weren't paying attention well to this episode. Uh, coming into the next few, you could be confused. Yeah, this episode, because it just it, it's a major introduction. And kind of like most two-parters during the, the new Doctor Who era, it I feel like it did a good job setting things up. It I don't I don't have a problem with how much is going on. As a matter of fact, throwing the Santarans in was actually a little bit of humor because and it made sense because the doctor's like, well I wonder who else is out there dealing with this kind of thing. And lo and behold, Centaurans. So it it kind of makes sense to to have that there and then and then let go of it so that you can then come back to it later. And it looks like I mean to me, who knows, but maybe each of the different races that they're going to be dealing with will come in one one per per uh, story until it gets built up, built up, built up towards the very end of the whole thing. Could be. Could the Centaurans also be behind what's going on, or I doubt be helpers in that? They could totally be helpers, but I doubt they're behind it. True. I mean, we just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. So there's too too much unexplained, and I wanted to see the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I have to say, to to be honest, I was not super enthusiastic about this episode coming out, but I'm actually a lot more enthusiastic about next episodes. So. <laughs> uh, that's what they're trying to, to do. Yeah. They did have, unfortunately, the lowest overnight figures. That makes sense because their stuff leading up to the seventh hasn't been great. And also, if there's a large a culture in... Yeah. in, in uh, it in, is uh, Halloween night in, over yeah. in the UK, then... Um, then hey, that's why you'd miss out. I think they were expecting that. Market. So it will be interesting to see what the additional figures uh, where everybody taped it and watched it within the next week would uh, would do. Well, it'll be really interesting to hear some reviews and, you know, what, what people think. <laughs> <laughs> well, Colin, let's hear what you have to say then. Well, viewership, Michael, really does not necessarily uh, have anything to do with quality of episodes or quality of content. True. That being said, um, this episode has a lot going on and a lot 
left to be explained, a lot uh, unanswered, a lot of elements that uh, need more churning. Um, I like a lot of individual pieces here. They have a lot of things going on. Like, as I said before, they have Weeping Angels, they have Centaurans, Dog People, Flux, uh, you know, Day of the Dead um, entities going on. Uh, a lot of mysterious intrigue about long-term enemies that the Doctor is unaware of, um, but, you you know, the enemy knows a lot about them. Um, potentially new friends that already know you, <laughs> and some others that you're just meeting here now. Um, so there are a lot of good individual things, but I can't help but just get the feeling that it wasn't very well constructed for an opener um, in, in a first episode, and that I, I almost feel like they're just throwing mud at the wall to see what will stick um, in some cases, too. I think it'll get a lot of hits, and this is an analogy that I used a lot last season, you know? They have a lot going on, but, like, can they land this plane? You know, they have a lot of good elements. Will it tie together? Will it be a great cohesive story? There's a lot to be un- untold. Um, and I-, I think you're right, Michael, in saying that it's it's very hard to, you know, say how well things are going without knowing the whole cohesive story in the piece. So I am excited to see what's next to come. But at this point in time, I can only justify a 6 out of 10. All right. I'll go next. I... Uh... You know, when I when I first found out that this was going to be a, you know, six-part story, I kind of thought, all right, this might actually be really good because Chris Chibnall has this tendency to, you know, throw out a lot of threads and then not tie them all together at the end. And I thought, you know, okay, but maybe over the course of six episodes, you know, all that can come together. And I'm less convinced that that's going to happen given the number of threads he's laid out for us in the first episode. <laughs> But, you know, it's still doable. I mean, these are, you know, I mean, there's plenty of time for it. So hopefully that, you know, comes to fruition. I I definitely liked the Dr. Yaz relationship in this. And um, mm-hmm. I like, uh, I, I liked a lot of things about it. Like I said, like, I, I liked the Flux. I thought that was, that's a, that's a really cool villain or weapon or whatever it is. And, uh you know, there just there were a lot of things in there that were very enjoyable, but I think it was a lot like way too much going on. Could have been spread out better. I assume. I assume not every episode this season is going to be this jam packed, and if it is, then they should have planned more episodes. But <laughs> I think uh, you know, I, I, I'm much more excited about uh, what's to come than I have been previously. I think that this was. You know, seems like it could be the setup for a really great season. But I'm with Colin here on uh, this episode by itself, you know, left a lot to be desired. And I'm not 100% convinced that they can land this plane. But even if I was, I think it still, you know, could have been better. So I'm going to give it a six. But I'm really optimistic about episode two. Huh. Well, then. I would have to say that this kind of has the hallmarks of of a of, of just about a lot of other sci-fi shows that that throw in a bunch of things. But I think this I, I think this probably takes the cake for the most amount of plot threads that you could possibly have thrown into one episode. Were they all cohesive? Um, that is undetermined. And so, and rightfully so, because if you're doing a six-part story, it wouldn't make sense for all... Very fair. 
to all the up all the parts to be brought together immediately. Otherwise, that would be too weird. I think it actually adds more mystery to a program that is titled Doctor Who. Um, the fact that they have continued with this timeless child thing um, or idea with the villain, um, the Walking Dead person, as you put it, <laughs> or Dawn of the Dead. Day of the Dead. We'll have to get a better term for Gem Skull. <laughs> yeah, they did have some cool uh, like geodes coming out of their face or something. Which makes me think that they're a very ancient race of some kind. Also, um, the fact that he knows the doctor before she can remember, so before the first doctor. Yeah, that was my point. Was that they they really do kind of play off the timeless child uh, motif here? Um, Is that how Claire knows the doctor? Yeah, maybe. Um, but I just I feel like the the all of the elements are interesting. I think that. Um, it to rate this episode make it just makes it much more difficult because it is just kind of a gobbledygook of everything happening and it's kind of a mess. It, it just all happens. But in a sense, isn't that how life works? I mean, while we're here talking in a podcast, who's what's going on next door in the neighbor's house and what's going on on the street? What's going on in the supermarket across the way? Netflix and chill. The, Netflix and chill. Maybe someone's working out. Maybe somebody else is getting robbed. All these things could be going on at the exact same time. And we wouldn't necessarily know it, but they're all just kind of chaotic events. Life is in flux, is what you're saying. But they're not all related to our personal storylines. Right. No, I get that. But that's the whole point of of fiction, is that you're you're trying to tell an overall arcing story. Yeah, but the difference between fiction and reality is that fiction has to make sense. Does it though? That is, does, does it absolutely? Have you ever seen Rubber, Shelby? <laughs> I couldn't make it through that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, let me finish my rating. That we can go on a tangent. But uh, I would say that I'm I'm going to give this a seven out of ten because okay. First of all, we have some phenomenal special effects. Obviously, they they were able to put some more money there. Um, I felt like most of the actors brought their game. We haven't even mentioned the historical characters yet that yeah. when we went back into prehistory and they're dealing with that. Oh, yeah. I that forgot was, about that. that. That's kind of a forgettable thing because it was so quick, but it, it kind of... It you think Claire's getting inserted in there? <laughs> oh, yeah, that could be. Could be. But at any rate, just all of it together, I, I do like what's going on, but I'm very... Tempted, I'm. I'm very tempted to say I'm giving it a seven, but with the potential of it being less than a seven if things don't work out, because of how chaotic it was. I mean, as a basic episode, nobody would know what was going on. There were elements that were nice, but I, I resonate know. with that a lot, Michael. Because yeah. I think just you know, with all of our ratings here, you know, this is I think a very aptly named series. Our ratings must be in flux until that's, we get to the end. You know, we have a Schrodinger's cat situation. Exactly. Here, that's what I was thinking. Was you that, know, with rating from episode to episode in these non-cohesive, you know, at least not everything gets wrapped up, you know. I think that's what I'm going to do is that scenario. for this particular season, I'm just going to continue the rating and the rating is going to change based on what comes next. So the So right now we're at a seven for me. Next week, will we still be at a seven? Who knows? Okay, let's have 
let's only do that. We'll continue rating the episodes, but we can also have a running rating for the story as a whole. Oh, okay. Well, then that makes sense. So I guess seven would be my rating of the story of a whole because we obviously don't have the whole picture, but everything's kind of interesting. As for this episode, yeah, I'd probably make it more like a six. Yeah, I think I'll go there too. I think my optimism also bumps mine up. Yeah, hey, that's fair for me as well. I'm a little, I'm intrigued by the future. Oh my all god! Right, it's unanimous. Are we all on the same We're page? We're all on the same page. Six for the episode, seven for the story so far. If only Jace was here, then we could really have like. A, then he then he would have a different rating, and it would ruin it. He'd probably give it a nine. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I bet he'd give it a five or a four. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, this is true. He is pretty chaotic. Any rate, any other thoughts? about this particular episode or where we're going or the fact that Russell T. Davies is coming back as the showrunner for season 14. I'm even more excited, I think, for season 14. I am, too. (laughs) What's even more intriguing is that the BBC have now lost complete control after the season of Doctor Who. What? Yes. It has been announced that Russell T. Davies' um, company, Bad Wolf, has now taken on the um, rights and the and what what happened to Doctor Who. B- the BBC that. will still be able will still show it, and will still have rights to the the all the um, merchandising and things like that. But but Bad Wolf is going to take over Doctor Who. Like the what's even line. more interesting and what's even more powerful is that Bad Wolf right now is about to be acquired by Sony Entertainment. Can I still buy stock in Bad Wolf? <laughs> so it, it, I don't know. You're probably good. But all I'm going to say is that if that's the case, then Doctor Who's budget could easily be tripled, quadrupled for for the foreseeable future. With the fandom of Doctor Who, it's totally justifiable. And, I mean, Russell T. Davies always had the idea of having a franchise. Because he did Sarah Jane Adventures, he did Torchwood, and he did Doctor Who all pretty much at the same time. He was a one-man show there. That's what he says, even in 20, as er, as soon as 2020, he was even saying, yes, Doctor Who should be uh, a franchise series that has all these spin-offs. So my guess is that he's probably going to be branching off. You could have um, Jenny Strax and Vastra have their own series. You could have... Um, Clara and the Doctor's me. daughter. Yeah. Have, you have the right? Doctor Who Plus app, the whole network and streaming service. Yeah, you, Doctor you Who. You have the continuing adventures of Yaz. I mean, for all every wibbledy wobbledy time thread of the universe. Yeah, even down to characters that are so obscure, you just would be like, Oh Who's man, that? I'd watch a reality show with like the solo tracks and you know, <laughs> you know other people just like throw it into the mix. You know, it's kind of like one of those mockumentary kind of things. Wait a minute, together. Would that really be a reality show? <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, hey, I believe. I believe outside of our universe in this place. Wait till his great 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 grandmother comes back then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At any rate, well, you all have a wonderful rest of the week, and hopefully we'll all get to be on a podcast next week. Happy Halloween, (laughs) y'all. Bye. Adios. Bye.